Hello and welcome to the Max Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Sam Bartol, archivist for the East Riding Archives, part of the Local Authority Service. Would you like to introduce yourself, Sam, and tell us how you came to be in your position? Yeah, sure. Hi, Faith. Yeah, as, as you say, my name's Sam Bartol. I'm uh, an archivist um, within the Local Authority in the East Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, we're based at the Treasure House in Beverley. Uh, which is in East Yorkshire, obviously. Uh, I've been in post since uh, 2007, um, but back in the early days, I, I started out um, flirting briefly with the idea of being an early years school teacher. Uh, but after the trauma of trying to teach 30 nursery children, I kind of fell back in, into um, the archive sector, thinking it was much easier to manage. So um, again, some fantastic experience at uh, Churchill College in Cambridge where they have the Churchill Archive Centre. Uh, they've got some amazing collections there, supporting various publications and documentaries, um, securing the permanent preservation archive, um, and some of his war cabinet. And uh, they've also got um, some um, science and technology records there as well, because they advocate science and technology. So collections to do with um, splitting the atom, work on inventing jet engine propulsion and uh, groundbreaking work on particle physics. So, so that was a real good um, you know, background in archives. Uh, and having started out there, I, I did my master's at Liverpool. And since then I've been working in local government. So initially at uh, Rotherham Metropolitan Borough Council on a, a lottery funded project uh, to catalogue and promote the material that they held there. Uh, and then I was able to return to my roots in East Yorkshire. Uh, and that's where I've remained so far. Uh, I began as a collections officer where I was again, cataloging and promoting information from you know, the archives that we preserve. Uh, and then that role has evolved into a remit for digital in, in line with the growth of that sector, both in terms of preservation and access. So now I'm mainly responsible for the long-term preservation of uh, digital archives in our care uh, and also finding ways of engaging new audiences digitally through various online channels. So that's included uh, a mobile app that I innovated recently called What Was Here, which uh, received a finalist nomination in our local tourism awards for tourism experience of the year and tourism business of the year. Um, and th this basically gives users the opportunity to explore their surroundings and view historic images from the location where they were taken. And it features heritage trails uh, with an augmented reality camera view where you can overlay the archive image onto the present day scene and toggle the transparency to compare past with present. So uh, the platform's used as a, a conduit to direct users to the East Riding Photos Prints website, which is managed by yourselves at Max. Uh, and it gives them an option to, to buy prints of the images that they view. So, uh, you know, the success of the app and its associated website has led uh, more recently to my involvement with uh, the Heritage Alliance as well, uh, working with them on their new Heritage Digital project as an expert digital consultant. Uh, where I offer my experiences of the project as a, a case study for others in the heritage sector uh, to learn from you know, like the positive and the negative aspects. So um, that's basically how I've ended up, you know, where I am today. Wow, that sounds like you're doing some really progressive project work then. 
Yeah, yeah, it's all been very interesting. Yeah, um, trying to, you know, transform the way that people access archives, yeah. Is that how you spend most of your time or, or how do you spend an average day? Oh, well, uh, an average day, well, um, I guess the, um, given the variety of things that I get up to, it's um, probably fair to say there's no such thing as an average day. But uh, generally speaking, I'm always doing something relating to our various online access channels and uh, managing the, you know, the digital archive or digitization of uh, originals. So I might be adding uh, new photographic content or map overlays onto, you know, the What Was Here platform, you know, producing new heritage trails with one of the external partners. Um, and I'm often working with the, the marketing team on publicity and promotion of the online services. So creating content for social media, um, editing and uh, writing posts for our, our blog. Um, and then there's you know, general inquiries that I might get by email from you know, researchers wanting to know if we have certain information in the archive. Uh, or sometimes uh, we get media companies as well who want to know if they can use one of our images or videos in a, in a publication or a documentary. So, um, you know, the content management uh, for what was here, which I do most days, uh, that involves uh, geo-referencing of photographs. So there's a lot of playing with Google Maps and getting GPS coordinates, uh, you know, sometimes using Street View to get a look at locations on the ground um, and for overlaying the historic maps, I'm often using Google Earth to you know, kind of align the historic map with the modern satellite imagery. And uh, yeah, once you get into it, it's quite an absorbing process and you know, it's strangely uh, satisfying, you know, when you're toggling the transparency of the map and you see that it lines up well with the modern cartography. Um, I think I'm something of a, a map geek, really. I find that quite, uh, quite a, a fun job to do. Um, but yeah, one of the things you quickly realize when you're working on them um, online or digital projects is that you can build something fantastic, but if you can't get people to find it, uh, you know, what's the point? So I'm always working on promotions in print and online to try and make our resources more discoverable. Uh, and it's, diff it's very difficult uh, and I'm, I'm reliant really on our marketing team and the, the goodwill of the local tourism board for giving things a bit of a shot in the arm really. So I'm always liaising with them, you know, those guys on a daily basis often, uh, you know, just trying to get more leverage for, for what, it, what it is that I'm doing. Uh, and then on the preservation side of things, uh, you yeah, know, I might be refreshing some of the digital content onto uh, new preservation copies, you know, transcoding analog material like uh, VHS or audio cassette onto uh, a digital format and then accessioning digital deposits and maintaining the metadata on the catalogue to, you know, just keep an audit trail of uh, the material that we're preserving. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm keeping a constant curatorial eye on the digital archives, um, probably more so than the traditional physical formats because technology is constantly changing and the information is so delicately stored. Uh, and then on the more mundane side, on the top of all that, I can be um, on call for assisting with the main front of house service desk that we have. So, you know, being asked to give copyright or data protection advice or taking a decision on whether or not a customer can have access or a copy of a particular document. Um, and then we're also supporting the treasure house manager uh, with various building management duties. 
So that can be dealing with contractors who want to do some work on the air conditioning or um, reporting building faults or doing fire alarm tests. So, um, you know, we're called on to do all kinds of things, you know, like major customer incidents as well in the absence of the, um, you know, the manager. Uh, you know, there's quite a facilities management angle to the uh, you know, day-to-day side of things, which uh, might surprise quite a few people. Um, it's, you know, it surprises me sometimes if I'm absorbed in doing a map overlay and then I get called down to deal with flooding in the corridor or something. Gosh, it sounds like you're juggling lots of uh, balls in the air at any one time. Yeah, it can be quite varied. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've mentioned some of the um, content that you deal with. Presumably, um, the, the topics it's based on and, and how you've collected it is from the local authority. So it's from the East Riding, Yorkshire area. It is, yeah. It is from the East Riding, yeah. yeah that's our collecting remit. Um, Do you have anything outside it or does that go elsewhere? Well, um, we, we collect and preserve the archives for the East Riding of Yorkshire. Um, the material, it starts from 1129 AD and goes right up to the present day. So we collect for um, that area. But obviously there are sometimes, when you look over the past 125 years, there have been uh, all kinds of different boundary changes in terms of local government. Mm. And so we do tend to have other collections that refer to other geographic regions. So it's not quite as intuitive as you, you'd um, expect, really. And, it, you know, because, for example, um, Beverly uh, is the former administrative, administrative centre of... Um, what they call the Humberside County Council, which incorporated um, northeast Lincolnshire and much of North Lincolnshire, as well as the city of Hull. And now these are all different boundaries, mm. uh, different local authorities. But from that time, when it was the Humberside County Council, uh, we do have archives, you know, relating to some of those areas. So it, yeah, it's it's a little bit, um, like I say, counterintuitive, I guess, in that sense. The maps are important and interesting, clearly. Yeah, I, I love maps. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so who accesses the collection and, and why? what are they looking for? So you've got the physical collection and then you've got the stuff that you're focused on digitising. Is that different audiences? Well, it, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question because we're at a point where um, it's beginning to involve, evolve, I think, you know, the, the access to archives with the digital age. Um, we tend to have a core traditional service for researchers and that's focused mainly on genealogy, like family history. And a lot of our records, like the parish registers, which have baptisms, marriages and burials are very name rich. And these are original archives that we hold in the repository. And uh, you know they're a great resource for people tracing their ancestors in the East Riding. But now we're seeing with um, the increase in the popularity of websites like Ancestry.com and Find My Past, uh, and then with programs like Who Do You Think You Are, you know, the appetite for using our material is uh, you know, it's rising dramatically, as, particularly since the mid-1990s, um, you know, starting out with using the originals and moving more now into uh, the online sphere. Um, and because of the heavy focus on the local area, uh, you know, We've got records such as 
estate surveys, valuations, court records, uh, school admission registers, uh, they all shine a light on uh, the lives of ordinary people down the centuries. Uh, you know, it's these ordinary people, so to speak, who um, the family history researchers are interested in uh, and because that's their genetic link to the past. So uh, yeah, we get a lot of family history researchers, um, both in person and remotely yeah, from all over the world. And, and they often want to take copies of various items you know, for reference. Um, so in, in that sense, our core service is very much research and reprographics. Um, you know, much like any other local authority record office, but I would say it's it's a mix of um, original and digital. Um, but where we have mostly original use tends to be in um, a huge collection that we have uh, that's unique to just four areas in our country, and um, that's the three historic ridings of Yorkshire. That's North, West, and us in the East. Uh, and also Sussex, and uh, this collection is called the Registry of Deeds. And uh, for some reason, that I can't, can't recall right now, but um, we were the only areas to have recorded or retained over time uh, a log of all the property transactions that took place. And it's uh, this collection is basically a precursor to the modern day land registry. Mm -hmm. And ours begins in 1703 and runs all the way up to 1974. So it's a, it's a massively detailed record of title deeds showing the property development through time. Uh, I don't know if you've seen um, David Olisoga's popular BBC series, uh, House Through Time. Mm -hmm. um, that basically takes a particular property as the framework uh, or basis for a case study over time uh, using local archives to build up a story of the uh, lives of the occupants uh, you know, and the events that occurred through its history and, and some people have cottoned onto that and they've uh, realized they can use our deeds registry you know, by coming into the you know, the research room uh, and do the same with their own house and create their own story of the of their house um, I, th I think people did this before you know by coming in to consult the originals but um, we've seen a, a slight increase since that program maybe not as much as with who do you think you are but there's uh, you know, certainly potential there for um, you know, consultation of the originals and it's far too big for us to digitize in any kind of comprehensive way and um, so it'll, I think it will always be largely physical access to that uh, unless we get a major um, commercial stimulus from a company such as Ancestry and then if the audience begins to grow in that respect then uh, there'd be scope for you know more large-scale efforts to create online access um, you know, in the same way that is happening now with um, traditional resources like parish registers. So I, th I think those are our two main traditional you know, research uses. Um, we do also get uh, solicitors actually uh, inquiring about the deeds um, that you know, to make use of them in the conveyancing of properties. Uh, so in that sense, we've got records that serve uh, you know, a modern day business function as well you know, for their evidential value. Uh, in providing like an audit trail of property ownership. Um, just thinking another evidential use is the um, collection we hold of coroner's archives as well. Uh, we preserve them on behalf of the coroner, uh, whose the office occasionally requests uh, access for them um, on behalf of like a relative uh, of someone who is perhaps the subject of an inquest. Uh, but they keep the, the access 
uh, strictly um, closed to uh, you know seventy year closure period. Um, so that tends to be a, you know, a much more restricted um, access there. Uh, but then we get uh, you know general historical research as well. So um, it might be local historians, uh, professional academics, or students. Uh, they all make use of what we hold for a variety of uh, possible uses, you know, different subjects of interest. Um, you know, some of them are quite obvious. So you've got information about you know, the history of the police might be a, a subject. And then there's others that you would just never even imagine in a million years. I, I once had someone, um, like a student, and uh, she wanted help to uh, research seed pressing in the 18th century. So I would just never have anticipated that. So yeah, you've, you've got to be ready for anything really um, in terms of access, you know, people that want to use the collections. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of my work over the past five years, um, as I say, has involved trying to expand the scope of our digital offer uh, and exploring the ways of kind of reversing that tradition of encouraging users to come to us in the archive and kind of enabling the archive to come to the user, so to speak. So uh, you know, that's what's been at the heart of um, recent innovations like uh, the What Was Here app and website, because they give like a snapshot of our archive material and place it directly into the hands of the user, uh, you know, in, either in the home or out into the wider world, and kind of give them a, an intuitive mobile discovery um, experience with the archives, you know, for self-directed exploration and using it for general tourism or ancestral tourism, you know, family history, uh, or just formal education or, you know, general local interest. Um, so, you know, there's great potential there, I think, for, for use as a, a reminiscence tool and things like uh, social prescribing, you know, walking for health. Um, and then also online, I've created a web presence on Flickr. Uh, it's a, a photo sharing website. And, uh, and again, we've partnered with yourselves at max for the uh, east riding photos online print service so you know in all those cases i've um, <clears throat> deliberately focused attention on uh, things like historic photos and maps you know with what was here because uh, i think they're probably the, you know the key resources that um, are most accessible and relatable you know with mainstream audiences uh, you know that seems like a good place to uh, to start in creating you know, online resources that can give you know, like more intuitive access to archives. Uh, you know, I've also worked on um, audiovisual collections as well. Uh, I've created video presentations that people now buy as a, a DVD. And we've shared some of the video content on YouTube and Facebook. And with these, I've tried to make them more appealing to casual viewing. And um, so I've edited them down and added a you know, music overdub in order to keep the audience's attention. Uh, and that, that's worked particularly well in a video that someone made of the town of Beverly in East Yorkshire back in the 1960s. It, it basically drove around the town and attached a, a camera to his car bonnet. And so I just added a, a soundtrack to that and it, it just went viral. We had um, 300,000 views on Facebook <clears throat> and about uh, 70,000 on the YouTube channel so you know in terms of actual visual exposure to archive content uh, the online access is quite quite remarkable really but obviously it's a very different form of access to the research service which is uh, you know a much more engaging type of experience really um, 
I'm, we're working quite hard though to get a, a digital repository for digital archives and that will involve a, an online browser which will allow digital access to the uh, you know to the archives so then we'll be able to move the research experience which is currently um you know of originals and try to move that more into the into the online world so what are your hopes for the future of, of the collection and digitization do you have any projects on the horizon any more apps in the pipeline well um not at the moment i mean we, we've got you know different phases of development um for the future i mean like um we're gonna you know, do more development on the what was here app and gonna develop more on the uh, digital repository hopefully um so i think you know we just need to keep expanding the the digital offer and improving the you know discoverability of the information um I'd like to see, you know, the service, uh, you know, the council at large, you know, get to a point where we're as, as strong as uh, the marketing and promotion of uh, the content uh, as we are at the preservation of it, because that really is the key to adding value to what we do, I think, going forward. And uh, it's probably something we need to get ahead of the curve on, really, in terms of the future the focus because you're a local authority archive is to engage the local audiences then uh, i think primarily yeah it is about um engaging local audiences and then it, it depends really on them you know the demand for the collections because we do serve um family historians quite a lot as well and obviously they come from all over the world so in that sense we do target a global audience um, in terms of things like the, you know, the app innovation, that is very much based on a, a local experience. Um, but yeah, it, it depends really on the um, on the collection as to you know who the audience might be. Do you partner up with other people like um, schools or local museums or anything like that? Yeah, I mean we're always trying to work with different uh, different partners. I've done quite a, a bit of partnership work. Well, obviously with yourselves at Max on the um, East Riding Photos Prints website, um, and then on the What Was Here app, we do a lot of heritage trails that in involve other um, visitor destinations. So there's a the Suwabi Hall and Gardens. Uh, that's a, a local tourist destination in uh, near Bridlington in East Yorkshire. Um, Humber Bridge Country Park. Um, currently working with Visit Hull, the local tourism board in Hull. Um, so yeah, in, in my, on my side of things, I do um, quite a bit of partnership work. And then we have um, a good relationship with local schools as well and have uh, various workshops that we, that we run. What is, so you've got items dating back from 1129. What is your most popular item and what is your own personal favorite item oh popular um that's a, well that's a tough one i think the pop, most popular item um it's very i don't actually know what it is to be honest but it's very likely to be something family history related um it, it may it may well be a charter or of some description from you know one of the local towns we've got the elizabethan charter from 1538 for Beverly and that 
I think that's been looked at quite a lot. Um, but yeah, having said all this about digital, I think my my own favourite item is, um, I mean, we've got to choose out of over 400,000 items, so it's quite difficult. But um, I was asked this as part of an article for Who Do You Think You Are magazine last year. And um, it's actually a hard copy set of cartoons and caricatures from the First World War. And it, I, I like it because it just jars with my stereotype view of the, uh, the First World War. And I kind of love the humour of the images. It's quite specific to the British soldier and the way he manages to kind of find amusement amid, you know, like the horror and tragedy, uh, you know, the carnage even of, uh, of war. So they've got a, a kind of peculiar charm about them, really. And the backstory is, is quite fascinating and tragic as well. Um, they were drawn by someone called Lieutenant Edward Moore Robson. And he was from quite a well-to-do family in Pocklington, which is East Yorkshire. And he was awarded the Military Cross for Bravery at the Battle of the Somme. And then he was part of this regiment called the Green Howards, uh, but was killed in April 1918, which was just a few months before the end of the war. And uh, his father was a quite a distinguished solicitor called Thomas Robson. And he'd already lost his wife, Eva, in 1914. And then uh, two of his other sons, who were Edward's brothers, were killed in action in March 1918, like within two days of each other. So, you know, during that period of the First World War, and, uh, you know, particularly that March to April of 1918, uh, Thomas Robson's family was completely obliterated. And, uh, you know, it's such a, a devastating thing. And uh, I think he had one son left, so I suppose he found some solace in that. But, you know, even so, the, it's, uh, it's the tragedy of that mixed in with the humour of those cartoons um, that just really makes it very poignant to me. And, that, and when I'm asked about the collections, I always think of those, uh, those cartoons. Very human, human bittersweet uh, combination there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, really good illustrations as well. Really good quality. Well, I'm personally going to check out your Beverly Carr video. That sounds fascinating. I will be another viewer for your YouTube channel there. Yeah, yeah, it's um, on the Council YouTube channel. Yeah, they call it a, a drive through Beverly. That's one of the videos, yeah. So you've got the app, the What Was Here app. Is there anything else you want to point people in the direction of? Well, we have, um, we've just, during lockdown, actually, we, we launched a blog to kind of, you know, keep a dialogue going with, with um, our audiences. So we've got a new archives blog, which is at uh, blog, And um, basically, just going to our website, uh, there's you know, lots of online resources there under Archives Online. So it's uh, www.eastridingarchives.co.uk. Wonderful. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak to me today, Sam. It's been really interesting hearing about the different users and what they're doing with your collections. I, I find it fascinating that TV shows are inspiring people to engage with their local community. Yeah, I think that's been a trend quite, for quite a while now, actually, certainly with family history. So, yeah, Who Do You Think You Are has, has really driven, uh, you know, the market for family history. 
uh, yeah, certainly in the past 15 years, I would say, yeah. Fantastic. And um, yeah. yeah, no, your digitization, you are very innovative. And um, I think that's something people maybe don't expect from a local authority archive. So that's wonderful that you're being so progressive and forward thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what we need to do if we're going to get people to engage with, um, you know, what, what we have, uh, we need to exploit its potential. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I would definitely suggest that people check out their local archives if they're anything like yours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you.